Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the evening service of Friday the 19th of February 2016, entitled A Love Worth Finding, and the Bible reading is taken from 1 John chapter 4, verse 11. Here's Pastor Brian Beaver. You glad to be here tonight? Say amen. So good to see all of you. I'm so thankful for the privilege of being back. I'm sorry I missed last year, but I'm I'm so delighted that one of my dearest friends on all the earth, Dave Kistler, was able to fill in and and and, and uh, not fill in, but he's a far better preacher than I am, and I thank God for him. He's one of my mentors. Uh, he's one that uh, was like a Paul to me, and uh, I just uh, tried to get everything, soak everything I could up from him. But uh, what a privilege it is to see you, young people, man. I've missed you. I keep up with some of you on Facebook. Um, uh, some of you uh, have been up to some 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 no good, is all I can say, Dan. Amen. And uh, anyway, but no, I'm just. Uh, but I thank God for the privilege of being here. I want to say thank you to Nathan and Hannah. I don't know where they went, but uh, uh, they are such an asset to the ministry wherever they're planted, and uh, they're really, really, really gifted. But they're not just talented; they're gifted, and uh, they use their gifts for the glory of God. And I thank God for them. And um, but I'm so privileged to be here. And it's so good to see all of you. I hope you came with your hearts wide open. I hope you came not just to listen with your ears, but with your heart. And so I pray and trust that the, this weekend, you'll leave here a little bit less of what you are by nature and more like Jesus. That's what my prayer is. And so I want you to listen on purpose. Let's look at the scripture tonight. First John, look at chapter number four. First John chapter number four and verse 11. First John, a lot of people have said, you know, this conference... And, and, and God laid this on my heart, well, actually, <laughs> laid this on my heart about a year ago, and uh, I'm getting, it's, it's coming to fruition now, but uh, I, I want you to listen uh, t- really intently this week, because there's a lot of people I'm talking to today that think they know what real love is, but in, in spite of what the world would say, in spite of what maybe you think it is, what I want you to understand tonight is that and, and if you're taking notes, I want you to write the, these, these letters down. I said this this week earlier to, our, to the church here at Bethel, but I want you to write these letters down if you're taking notes. I want you to write these letters down. I, Y, Q, write them in, write them in a row, just like a word. I, Y, Q, Y, Q, R. I'll say it again. I, Y, Q, Y, Q, R. Now you say, preacher, that don't sound like anything. It's not a word. I mean, whatever it is, it's not a word. But if you read those letters a little faster, it kind of encompasses the whole meeting this week. Let me read a little faster. I YQ, YQR. I YQ, YQR. Now, that sounds funny, but let me explain something tonight, young men, young ladies. That's the way God loves you. Just like you are. He likes you just like you are. So don't forget that. We're going to go through that a lot more this weekend. I like you like you are. You say, preacher, you got a list. No, I'm just trying to be funny. And it, you know, that's something you won't forget. Uh, once you hear something like that, you won't forget it. But write that down in the flyleaf of your Bible. We'll go back to it this week. But I want you to look at the Scripture, and I want you to look at what John said, the uh, beloved apostle of uh, the one that laid his head on the chest of Jesus at the Last Supper, the one whom Jesus loved. And he makes this statement, Brother Ross. He says, he, Brother Russ, he says these words. He says, Beloved. Now, I like that word because he's talking to us as believers. 
He's not talking to people out there that don't know anything about what the Word of God says. He's saying to people who understand what the character of God is, he said, Beloved, if God so loved us, what's it say? We ought also to love one another. We're living in a day and age where a lot of people think they figured out what love is. There's an old American song that says, Looking for love in all the wrong places. And ladies and gentlemen, if we're not careful as God's people, we'll look for love in all the wrong places. Where do we, where do we get this word love from? Well, it comes, you know, the Greek word is, is literally three times mentioned in Scripture. The first one is the word eros. It's a word that means erotic love. It, we get our word erotic from it, eros. It means a lustful type of desire for a person. By the way, that, that word eros really doesn't define what love is, L-O-V-E. It really defines what it actually is, and that is L-U-S-T. Can I say this, young ladies, young men? Don't you allow the enemy in your flesh to lie to you and some, listen, some guy, listen, I'm going to talk to the girls. Don't let some guy tell you I love you just because he's got an ulterior motive to get you in the back of a car or into some apartment or some room and said, I love you. And then you know what? Take your purity. The word eros means lustful type of desire. That's one word for love in the, in the Greek language. The other one is, a, is phileo. Now, we all know this because you probably learned this in the Scripture. When John, listen, when, when in John chapter 21, when Peter uh, met the Lord Jesus Christ on the shore, Jesus looked at him after all the other disciples were taking a nap. You ever got full in your belly and you get around a warm fire? You know what happens? You fall asleep. Well, everybody else had fallen asleep, but Peter gets up and he goes to Jesus. And, he, and you know what? Jesus looks at him and makes this statement. He said, Peter, do you love me more than these? Now, what he was saying was, do you love me more than anything else? And pastor, you know what Peter said? He said, Lord, you know I love you. But see, if you look at the words, Jesus was asking him, Peter, do you agape me? Do you love me like God's love supposed to love? And Peter said, you know, Lord, I phileo you. He asked him three times, and listen, the God of heaven looked at Peter and said these words. Then if you love me, then feed my sheep. What was he saying? You better stop fishing and go back to preaching. Let me explain something to everybody sitting in this room. God's called you to do something in your life. If you're a born-again believer, if you're saved tonight and you know it, say amen. If you are, then God's got a task for you. He's, got, he's called you to do his work. And if he's called you to do something and you're doing something else, let me explain something. You could be one of the most miserable people in this building tonight. I, listen, you couldn't be any more miserable than a lost person because a lost person is having fun in their sin. But if you're a saved individual and you're not doing what God called you, you're out of the will of God. And I'm going to promise you this. It's one of the most miserable, desolate places you'll ever be in your life. What you need to do is you need to say, God, here am I. Send me. Amen, Pastor? Here am I. Send me. There's a lot of things that you could do. There may be some things that you could do in the, voc in the vocation realm, like a job. And you know what? You might could do anything else and be in the will of God. But if God's called you to do a specific task, you'll never get away from it. I tried to run from the call of God. It's amazing, isn't it? Try to run from God. How, how fast and far can you run to try to get away from the God of heaven? Amen. Jonah tried it. It didn't work. 
There was a prophet in the Bible who tried to do it and God spoke through him to, to him through a donkey, amen, and said, you better get right. That's bad when an animal speaks to you, amen, like zookeeper or something. But anyway, you say, preacher, what's your point? My point is this, folks. Jesus looked at Peter and said, if you love me, then do what I called you to do. Don't sit around all your life going, hmm, I wonder if I could do that. I wonder if this is what God... You know what? we got a lot of people that sit around in churches. Don't be one of those young people. Don't be one of those people, guys and girls. Don't be one of those people that sat in a church for 37 years and go, hmm, I wonder what God wants me to do. Get out there and do something for Him. Huh? Sit around scratching their head and going, I wonder, and rubbing the carpet all the way down to concrete for 40 years, going, I wonder what in the world I'm supposed to do. God has called you to do His will. Beloved, listen, it says, if, we love, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. And He said, Peter, I'm tired of you doing what you want to do. I've called you, and if you really love me, you get back to doing what I called you to do. You feed my sheep. You go back to preaching stop fishing. Now, you can put whatever you want to right there, and this ain't even my message, but somebody needs this tonight. Somebody needs to hear this, you people in Bible college. I thank God for you. Young people, if you're not in Bible college, I thank God for you. You want to know why? Because you could be doing anything else this weekend, but you're here, and I praise God for that. It's so good to see you, Jay. I appreciate you, man. Amen. I've missed you, man. Y'all forgive me. Sometimes I just fellowship during the meeting. Just don't worry about it. I just kind of fellowship, you know. And so just, just pray for me, okay? I need a lot of it, amen? But you say, preacher, what kind of love are you talking about? Well, Jesus said, if you agape me, then feed my sheep. I, th listen, folks, this is what concerns me. This is what concerns me. There is a group of people on the earth who are distinctively different, who love God. They, there's no question about the group that loves God. There's also another group, Jamie, that there's no question about who they love, and it's not God. It's themselves or some other thing that they want to worship, like a car. You know what we in America, you know what we do? I drive to church about three and a half miles from my house to my church, and I watch people on Sunday morning washing their God. They're outside on Sunday morning washing their God, their car. Because they worship it. You know what I did when I bought my, my first almost, we never had a new vehicle, but it's almost been new. We had one that was only a year old when we bought it. You know what I did? The first thing I did was went to the back bumper, whatever y'all call it in England, the back thing back there where it keeps you from, you know, uh-oh, poop, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and I took a key, Jay, and I just went and scratched, a big old scratch in it. You want to know why? Because then it ain't perfect. I can't worship it now. Let me explain something. God's never going to, listen to me young people, God's never going to touch that which is lukewarm in your life. Did you hear what I said? God's never going to mess with that which is lukewarm in your life. He's only going to touch those areas that you're passionate about. If you fall in love with something, God's going to touch it. All right? So you say, preacher, what's your point? The, huh? I got something on me. Did I spit on you? I'm sorry. <laughs> Honey, you not, you've been with me like, you in the wrong row if you don't want to get spit on. But listen, folks, <laughs> she ought to know better than that, Carl. But listen, young people, let me ask you a question tonight. If Jesus Christ came to you in bodily form and stood before you and said, do you love me more than anything else? What could you say? 
Would you say, I'm fond of you, like Peter did, or would you say, I agape you? Because I'm convinced of this. You can say a lot of words. You know, love, love is an action verb. It's not just some word that you can say. You know what, every time I look at one of you young people and we leave here and I hug your neck and I tell you I love you, I try to mean it. I don't want to be some fly-by-night preacher and some hit-and-miss preacher that preaches to you on Friday night and then at 9.30 you go, where did, pa- where did Brother Brian go? No, I try to hang around and I want to be with you because I'm approachable. I want to be like that. I want to be somebody that says, I don't want to just tell you I love you. I want to show you I love you. Amen? You say, well, preacher, you get a little wild, man. I- I'm not even through my introduction. Y'all better hold on. I can't help it. If God so loved us, can I explain something to you? If God loved me, then I ought also to love you. The brethren ought also to love one another. By the way, some of you in this room tonight have family members. you got friends that you go to school with that are going to bust hell wide open. If they took their last breath tonight, they would be in a crisis eternity, a place called hell. And by the way, this is not multiple choice. This is not a bunch of options here. You've either got heaven or you got hell. I'm going to preach about that this week. You say, preacher, I thought this was a conference on love. It is. How much do you love the people in your life to tell them the truth? Tell them the truth. You're going into ministry. Some of you young people going into ministry... Let me tell you something. You better cinch up. That means you better pull your bootstraps up and you better be careful because I'm going to tell you right now, there's going to be people that hate you. There's going to be people that make fun of you and they're going to laugh at you. But you know what you can do? You can shout glory all the way to heaven because you're doing the will of God. Young people, you're right for being here this weekend. You're right for being here this weekend. But let me explain something about love. Number one, there's a model for love. There's not a greater template, Pastor Russ, than the one we've got right here for love. What is love? Well, I've tried to tell you that the Greek word for it means lustful type of desire. One means a brotherly kindness or a fondness. But another one is the Christ-like, unconditional love. And by the way, we're going to talk a lot this week. I'm going to get right up where you live. We're going to get right up where you live, young people. I'm just going to shoot straight with you. I'm not going to talk about, you know, hypolipsyrianism and soteriology. I'm going to talk about stuff where you live. I'm going to talk about drug addiction. I'm going to talk about internet pornography. I'm going to talk about unforgiveness and bitterness. Because some of you in this room tonight, the reason why you can't love is because you are so bitter and so angry at the God who puts one up and sets down another. It's time to let that thing go. If you're going to love like God loves... You better get over yourself. Amen? I don't like this preacher. I don't like this at all. 1-800-WANG. That's the number you need to call if you got to get, get your thumb out your mouth. I, 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 listen, I don't, care how, I don't care how long you've been saved. If you've been saved a measure of time and you've put your faith in Christ, it's time to grow up. Get past some of these things in your life that you're holding on to. You know what? Some of you in here are never going to get a hold of your destiny until you first let go of your history. Because you're holding on. I had a guy one time tell me, he said, Preacher, you need to pray for me. I'm bitter. I am so angry. I said, what's going on? He said, well, there was a guy that um, 
down the road from me who I wanted to buy a piece of property from about five years ago, and he wouldn't sell it to me, and I'm so bitter. I said, why don't you go get right with him? He said, I can't. I said, why? He said, he's dead. I said, you've been mad at a man that's been dead for four years? He's in the grave, and you're still mad about it? Some of you are in here holding on to stuff toward people that have been gone and out of the picture for years in your life. And you're going to allow that to dictate what you do. You're going to allow that to dictate your love because you know what the Scripture says? Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love, say it, one another. Number one, the model of love. I want you to write this down. The model for love. The model for love, you say, what is it? Well, I want you to look at this verse. It says, beloved, if God so loved us. I don't have to give this verse to you. You better know it by memory. John 3, 16. If you don't, shame on you. You can, you can, you can quote every Adele song. Don't make me do it. Hello. You can quote every song in the book that you listen to on the radio, but you can't memorize one verse of Scripture. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But God committed Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Don't get me started. Romans chapter 5 verse 8, but God committed his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm so glad that our Father in heaven tells of his love in the book he has given. Wonderful things in the Bible I see, but this is the dearest, that Jesus loves me. Amen? The model of love. Number one, the, the, the biblical model of love is number one, it's selfless. I encourage you to go back tonight when you're in your time of meditation at 3.30 a.m. Yeah, I've been here before at night. I know what goes on here. It's crazy. Four o'clock, amen. But when you're in deep meditation, I want you to go back and I want you to think about that. God demonstrated. The word commended means to demonstrate His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You ought to go back and read 1 Corinthians 13. We hear that chapter quoted in marriages, in a wedding ceremony. But young people, let me explain something to you. That is the epitome and the picture of what God did for us. It don't have as much to do with a man and a woman getting married as what Jesus Christ did for us on Calvary. Amen. I'm glad I'm saved tonight. Amen. Some of y'all might not be. You look like you've been baptized in pickle juice. But anyway, or gherkin juice, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> At least some of y'all got that. Amen. But it's selfless. You say, preacher, what do you mean? When I'm saying selfless, that's the way God loves. God loves with a selfless, not a selfish kind of love, but a selfless love. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For God, He had made Jesus sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Have you ever thought about that? We flippantly read over these verses, don't we, preacher? We just kind of go, He made Him to be sin for me who knew no sin that we might be made the righteous of God. I beseech you, therefore, by the mercy of God. You can quote all that stuff, but do you really appropriate it to your life? Do you really think about what it says? Amen? He made Him to be sin for me. Can I explain something tonight? Every bit of wickedness and unrighteousness that you had was put on Christ at Calvary. And every bit of righteousness and glory and spotless, blemishless, sinlessness was put on Jesus, on us, because of what Jesus Christ did. That's selfless love. I don't know if you've ever, 
I don't know if y'all study words, but I love words. I study words. I have to because I speak American, not English, okay? <laughs> so I have to study words. And, and you know, I, I took a little bit of Hebrew, only two semesters. I said, I'm done with that. And uh, then I went into Greek class and I thought I was going to commit suicide, amen? But anyway, I took a little Hebrew, uh, two semesters of it, but while I was in there, I learned some intriguing words. Do you know that Psalm 85 verse 2 says, He has forgiven all of our sins. He has covered our iniquity. He has forgiven all our sins. And then He makes His statement, Selah. Think about that. Meditate upon that. He has covered all our sins. He has forgiven the iniquity of His people. Do you know what the Hebrew word for forgiven is? There's two of them, actually. One of them is this. It's the Greek Hebrew word, nasa, N-A-S-A. Now, I, I thought about this and I went, huh, I've seen that somewhere before. N-A-S-A, National Aeronautic and Space Administration. Now, NASA, amen? Now, I know I'm a country boy. I know I'm from North Carolina and I sound really funny when I talk. But I'm going to tell you this. I was born at night, but not last night. <laughs> And I figured out something. That word nasa in the Hebrew language literally is defined this way. And let me ask you something. When we, when we shoot rockets into space, what's one of the old colloquialisms we use, Nathan? Up, up, and away. Do you know what the word nasa, and I can't make this up, the word nasa in Hebrew language means to lift off and take away. Huh? Do you know what Jesus did for you? He took your sin and lifted it off and carried it away. As far as the east is from the west, brother, so far as he removed my transgressions from me. And I know we're dignified, but can I just shake my hand and say, Hallelujah, amen. <laughs> the model of love is he's selfless in his love. You ought to be selfless. If you want the model, if you want a template of how to love people, don't get mad at them when they hate your guts. Jesus said, if you go, it, 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 listen, if he asks you to go a mile, go twain. If he hates you, you know what the Pharisees did? The Pharisees said, you know what? They even twisted scripture and they said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That ain't nowhere in the Bible, but that's what they started coming up with. You know what? If you're not careful, you'll start only loving those that are lovable. Hello? Some of y'all ain't awake yet. You'll only love those that are lovable. Can I explain something to you? Grace was not given for the lovable. It was given for the unlovable. You don't get grace because you deserve it. You get it because you don't. Amen? And so what we've got to do is we've got to demonstrate grace and love one another. If God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Get over yourself. You're welcome. Number two, not only the model of love, number one is selfless, but number two, Nathan, it's sacrificial. Sacrificial. John 15, 13, pastor, he said, Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. I read a verse of Scripture last night from Luke chapter number 12, and Jesus made this statement. He said, I speak to you, my friends. I'm glad Jesus is my friend. I'm glad he sacrificed on Calvary for me. Because I'm going to tell you right now, young people, you better thank God that Jesus Christ went a little farther than the Garden of Gethsemane and he sweat as it were great drops of blood to the ground because he did that for you. And if he wouldn't have went a little farther, and if he would have quit, we'd all be in hell tonight. Can I get a witness right there? I'm glad he was sacrificial. I've got a friend in the ministry in Georgia, the state of Georgia in the United States. Pastor Russ, he tells a story when he was eight years old. Back then, when I was growing up, we didn't have seat belts. This was our seat belt. You stood beside your daddy or your mama in the car on the front seat, and if they hit the brakes, they just went like this. That was your, that was your seat belt. You didn't have seat belts. 
Amen? Now, I'm not dating myself, and I'm not that old. I know my hairs fall out, but I'm not that old yet. But we didn't have seatbelts, and you know what? This young man was in the car when he was hit. Their family was hit head-on by a drunk driver. When he got to the hospital, he was eight years old. When he woke up, he looked, and he had blood all over him. And he went, where am I? He said this in, him, in himself. He was given testimony of it. He said, oh, my soul, where am I cut? Where am I, where am I badly, uh, badly cut? Where am I bleeding from? And to find out the blood that was on him was not his. It was his mother's. His mother had shielded him in the wreck, and she had died. And it was his mom's blood that was on him. And he uses that as a testimony. You know what? His earthly mother gave her life for him, but no greater love as any man had than this, and he laid down his life for his friends. His mom, blood didn't save him. Jesus Christ's blood saved him. So not only is the model of love, number one, it's selfless, number two, it's sacrificial, but number three, it's steadfast. It's steadfast. Can I explain something, young people? And we've really got to move on because it's getting late, okay? Steadfast love is this kind of love. You do not, listen, God loves you not because of what you do or who you are. He loves you in spite of who you are. We are in a performance mode. You know what we think? We think that our worth to God is equal to our performance for Him. Can I explain something? I don't care how bad you perform in the family of God. You'll never be put, listen, you'll never be put out of the family or off the team because you're a child of the living king. Amen? So don't sit here and try to convince yourself, well, I've got to perform properly in order to be loved right. And some of y'all ain't getting that, but I'm going to give it to you a little bit deeper this weekend because I can promise you right now some of y'all are in performance mode. You think you've got to perform so good. You think because you are not perfect. Can I explain something? When you get saved, you don't become sinless, but you certainly should sin less. And some of you young people in this room, you have got to get past this performance mode. See, here's what you think. If you really knew me, you couldn't love me. If you really knew what I did, preacher, you wouldn't love me. Hey, if you really knew what I was, you wouldn't love me like you. You know what? That's the way we think. And what we've done is I told the people here at Bethel just a couple nights ago, we have attributed and passed on that characteristic to God. We say to God like He don't know us, God, if you really knew me, you can't love me. God loves you with a steadfast love. It's everlasting, by the way. You know what that means? It'll never, ever, 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 ever end. It'll never end. So the model of love is number one, it's selfless. Pastor, number two, it's sacrificial. Number three, it's steadfast. First John chapter 4, verse 10, just the verse before the one that we look in our text, says, herein is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us first. And gave His Son to be a propitiation for our sins. Do what? My wife tries to give me subliminal messages. And I can't even read lips anymore. Amen? I, I can't. I can't. I just got to go, what? <laughs> because I don't... But anyway, say I need to loosen it. Praise the Lord. Amen. I say, I got it. just takes me a little time. The Bible says that herein is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us first and gave His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. That word propitiation is not a $20 word. It is a very simple word that means to stand up again. Do you know what every time that you sin? You know what happens? Jesus Christ is our propitiation. 
You know what? Every time that you sin, and by the way, past, present, and future, your sins are under the blood as a believer. Amen? Past, present, future. So here's what I'm going to tell you. When the Bible says He's our propitiation, that means when you sin and you transgress against God and you go to God in repentance, and what's the Bible say? If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just, forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So here's what you do, young people. When you go to God and you ask for forgiveness, Jesus Christ stands up again and says, you can't hold that to their charge. I've died for that. Amen. Man, love. That'll make somebody in the Church of England run a lap on general principle. Amen? Yeah, I said it. It's all right. We need to be more excited about what God's doing. Where'd my hanky go? There it is. Threw it in the offering plate. Ain't worth much. But listen, number one, the model of love. Number two, the motivation of love. You say, preacher, what's your point? Look at this. Love ought to motivate us to do something. First of all, it ought to motivate us to show love. To show love. I had a friend of mine who was uh, a young man that when I was going to Bible college, he didn't go to Bible college with me. He was just a member of our local church. And this young man loved souls more than anybody else I ever met. He loved to see people saved. And I remember him telling the story about him going to a local uh, convenience store like a Tesco to get gas every week like, a, like clockwork. He would go to the same place, get his gas. And he would go in there, and there was a woman that worked in there. And he would go every single week about the same day. And when he went in there, he would try to witness to her. She was as mean and as hateful as anybody had ever met. But he said, I'm going to show her the love of God. I'm, I'm going to pray for her. And, he, you know, one day he came in and she said, basically like this. I'm honestly, she said it like this. How you doing? He said, I'm doing great. She looked at him and she said, I want to ask you a question. Why in the world do every time you come in here, you've got a smile on your face, you've got a string in your step, and you say you're doing great. Do you ever have a bad day? He said, well, of course I do. She said, well, why don't it show? He said, I'm glad you asked me. He gave her a gospel tract. When she read that, listen, he left. He said, I've got to go to work. I'll come back next week. She said, I know, every Thursday. <laughs> he came back the next Thursday night. He went in the back room of that little convenience store, and he led her to Christ. I don't have time to tell you the whole story, but that family went to our church. You know what? Hey, listen, this young, this lady who was as mean as a snake, amen, I mean mean. I mean, and, and you know what? She didn't get saved and didn't just continue to be mad about it. Amen. You ever known people that's like that? They're saved and mad about it. I, I know a lot of Baptists like that. Saved and mad about it. Don't be mad about what God's done in your life. Don't act like you're mad about it. Be rejoicing. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Okay? So, listen, long and short of it, this lady brought her husband, who was meaner than she was, and I kind of know where she got it from to begin with. He was as mean as she was, if not more, brought him to church. He got saved. And let me tell you something, young people. That family, about a year later, surrendered to the ministry, and they're in Peru now as missionaries. Because a young man, listen, a young man loved them enough to show them the grace of Almighty God and give them the gospel. Somebody ought to say amen right there. Thank you. You know what? Motive, God's love will motivate you to, number one, show love, but number two, go in love. To go in love. God never called you to sit. 
God never called you to stagnate. God never called you to sit here and just soak it all up like a sponge and not give it out to anybody else. Listen, you are to be, you are to be a carrier of the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. Be a witness for Christ because you've got ability in Him. You've got accountability to Him. But let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit of God, the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ out of the grave, lives inside of you and gives you power. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and other most part of the earth. So you know what? Grow where God plants you. Go and give the gospel. His name was Lou Fook. He was a, he was a, a Filipino or a Chinese guy, and uh, back in the late 50s, they had diamond mines in South Africa. And they used to enslave these people and put them in those diamond mines. This man said, I want to win my people to Christ. He said, listen, I want to go and I want to go down in those diamond mines and I want to win my people to Christ. You know what you had to do to be one of those people that went down in those diamond mines? You had to sign a contract for five years and be a slave. The man that owned the diamond mine said, do you understand, sir, what you're doing? He said, yes, sir, I want to win my people to Christ. He signed that document, became a slave. He didn't last five years. He only lasted three, died in that diamond mine, but not before leading 600 of his own people to Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something, young people. That's going. You do what God has called you to do. Go in love. Amen? Love people. It's a sad day in which we use people and love things instead of love things and use people. Amen? We need to go in the grace of Almighty God. Listen, give the gospel, young people. Show you love, go in love, but number three, grow in love. God's love ought to motivate you to do something. Titus chapter 2 verse 11 says, Listen, for the grace of God which brings salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying, ungodly, godly, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Young people, you're a picture and a trophy of God. Live like it. Live like it. Motivation of God's love is to show, to go, and to grow. But I must be done. Number three, the last thing I want to talk to you is about the ministry of God's love. Go back to 1 John chapter number 4, look at verse 11, and I'll start reading there. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Verse 12 says, No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and, has, and, and His love is perfected in us. Herein know we that we dwell in Him and He in us because He hath given us the Spirit of God. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in Him and He in, in, he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect or matured, made complete, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in the world. I want you to let your eyes fall to verse number 20. If a man say, I love God, and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he can see, how can he love God whom he hath not? You say, preacher, what's your point? My point is this. There's a ministry that love pr produces in our life. What is that ministry? Well, number one, I hope and pray you'll leave here with this. That number one, the ministry of love in our life, is it ought to perpetuate cheerfulness in our life. 
It ought to perpetuate cheerfulness. You know what? It ought to put a smile on your face. Amen. I mean, Nehemiah 8.10 says, Weep not, neither mourn, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. If you don't have no strength, you don't got no joy. Philippians 4.4, 4, I just said it, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known in all men, for the Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God. You want to know why some people don't have peace? Because they ain't happy. They ain't got no joy. Now, I know I'll say ain't a lot this weekend, so pray for me, okay? I know ain't is not a proper English word, but it is in a dictionary. <laughs> it is in a dictionary. The reason why people are not peaceful is because they don't have no joy. You're looking for love in all the wrong places. You're looking for that hole in your heart to be filled by something other. Prosperity, money, a job promotion, a girlfriend, a boyfriend. Let me tell you something. The only person who can ever fill that hole in your heart is Jesus Christ. Jesus. Some of you girls ought to date Jesus for a little bit. Amen? Probably be a good thing. I wish he would act better. I wish that boy would just do right. You know what? We're stubborn. We're hard-headed. We're stupid. Pray for us. All right? Amen? You guys can say amen right there because it's the truth. <laughs> amen. That's enough out of you. Amen. Hey, Psalm 84, verse 9 and 10 says, The Lord our God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walketh uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed or happy is the man that trusteth in thee. Are you happy tonight? Let me tell you something. If you know what true agape love is, it ought to perpetuate cheerfulness in your life. It ought to put a song in your heart. It ought to make, a, listen, it ought to make you happy to know that you'll never have to spend eternity separated from God. Hallelujah! Some of y'all say amen. amen. That's the first time you said it in four years probably. Amen. <laughs> it ought to perpetuate cheerfulness, but number two, I'll tell you what it'll do. It'll permit confidence in your life. Not only will perpetuate cheerfulness, but it'll permit confidence. You say, preacher, what do you mean? Well, look down at verse number, look down at verse number 17. Herein is love, herein is our love made perfect that we may have what? Boldness. Proverbs 28.1 says, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. If you want to have boldness, let me say, say something. Fall in love and in the wonderful arms of your Savior, and I promise you, He'll give you boldness like you've never known before. He'll permit confidence in your life. You'll be like a Rottweiler. Amen? you just be wanting to go. Amen? It'll give you enough confidence that you'll want to charge hell with a water pistol. Amen? I had a boy two weeks ago come to the altar. He and his pregnant wife-to-be. They got down on their face. And you know what? The, for the first time in their life, I think they really understood what the gospel was and that Jesus Christ died for them. You know what I did? I, I don't know what it was, but I'm going to tell you I was tenacious. And I got down there and I said, I want you to look me right in the whites of my eyes. This young man played football with my son. I said, I want to ask you a question. If you died today, you know you'd go to heaven? He said, no, sir, tears just falling down his face. I said, right now, you need to denounce all your religion, denounce all the things that you've tried to do to, uh, to impress God, and you need to trust the finished work of Calvary to get to heaven. And he bowed his heart and his head. You know what? I'm glad that I rest in the love of God. He gave me boldness to talk to that boy. Amen? Number three, it'll, pres it'll preserve communion. You say, preacher, what do you mean? If you, listen, if you love like God loves, 
Listen to this, Jay. It'll perpetuate cheerfulness. It'll listen. It'll permit confidence. But number three, it'll preserve communion. I want to ask you: Don't raise your hand. Don't look at me weird, because you'll give yourself away. But what's your prayer life like? What's your prayer life like? Because I can talk to you right now, and I can tell you right now, Jesus Christ Himself said that men ought always to pray and not to faint. You give up after about three times. Let me tell you something. I prayed for my dad every single day for 14 years. I did not give up on my dad. And I'm going to tell you right now, I rested in the finished work of Calvary and the love of God. And my dad came to Christ at my grandmother's funeral. His mom's funeral raised both his hands and said, I want to trust Christ. And you know what? I'm thankful for a time in my life. And I'm not saying it's always been that way. But I can tell you right now, when you rest in the God of heaven and His love... It'll preserve communion. It won't be like the ceiling's brass and God's a million miles away. It'll be like He's right there beside you. But finally, and I've got to finish. I know some of y'all going, man, I'm hungry. But number four, and this is what I want to talk about all weekend, young people. I want you to listen to me. When you, listen, the ministry of love in our life, man, is this. It'll perpetuate cheerfulness. It'll permit confidence. You will be bold. You know what? If, if, if you are scared about tomorrow, don't be. We're all going to be out there with you. We're going to sing songs of, the, of, of Zion. We're going to worship Jesus Christ. And I can tell you this, there'll be some people come by and they'll go, man, that is impressive. There'll be some people to laugh at you and go, you're a bunch of morons. But I can promise you this. The one that we're singing to, the audience of one, will be going, hallelujah. I'm pleased. It'll preserve communion, but number four, it'll promote compassion. You say, what do you mean? Nathan, it says if a man so loved God, he'll love his brother. It'll promote compassion. Does anybody know what compassion really is? I mean, when Jesus saw the multitudes, Tibby, he was what? Moved with compassion. You know, I've often wondered what that word compassion, Jay, really means. And it hit me like a ton of bricks a couple years ago. This is what compassion is, and this is an old hillbilly country definition. Compassion is an inward hurt that produces an outward help. Let me explain that again. Compassion is an inward hurt that produces an outward help. Your heart's so moved for somebody that you've been praying for that it produces an outward help that you want to do something about it. I'll, live, I'll leave with this. You can close your Bibles. I was in a church in Charlotte, North Carolina. 1998. I'll never forget it. A lady came walking into service. She looked at me and she said, Preacher, before we even have the service tonight, I want you to pray. I want you to pray for my husband. I said, What's wrong? She said, He's lost. He's not saved. And if I died and he died, I'd go to heaven and he'd go to hell and I can't stand the thought of it. And I said, you know what? I'm going to tell you right now. When somebody does that to you and they're crying, you just don't say, I'll be praying for him. God bless you. No, you get down right then and you start praying. I got down right where I was at and Nathan and I started praying. I'm begging God to save her husband. His name was Steve. Let me tell you what happened. That was on a Sunday night. Pastor, on Wednesday night... She come walking through the doors, and her husband was behind her. I promise it looked like she was levitating off the ground about that high. She was just fluttering in there like an angel out of heaven. She was as happy as anybody had ever seen. He sat down, and I want to tell you this. He literally, I, I promise you, I don't even think he blinked the whole service. 
When I got to the end, I gave the invitation. He walked out of the aisle, walked out of his pew, walked down here, looked at me, and he said, Preacher, I've got to get saved tonight. I said, well, praise God. Let's do this. Take care of business right now. We got down and we began to pray. While I'm praying with him, I heard somebody behind him. I thought the altar began to fill up of people. And Nathan, I thought that there was just somebody behind him. I kind of peeked. I know that's bad. But I kind of peeked. And I said, who is that crying so profusely behind him? It was his little wife. And she's right behind him and she's crying and she's begging God to save her husband. When I got done and I said, listen, Steve, I said, I can't pray for you. You're going to have to pray and ask Christ to save you. He, the first time he'd ever prayed, I bet it was the first time he'd ever prayed, you should have heard that prayer. It wasn't nothing like what we think in the Bible you're supposed to pray to get to heaven. But I believe he genuinely got saved that night. Amen. The reason I know that is because when he opened his eyes after he got done praying, you know what he said? He did it! He did it! I said, he did what? He said he saved me. Man, when he said that, his little five foot four wife went crazy. She picked him up around the knees and started jumping up and down with him. Hallelujah! And he, listen, she started running around the church. I mean going, thank you, Lord, for saving my husband. She come all the way back here, and I hugged her neck, and I hugged Steve, and after we got done with the service, I said, Steve, I want to ask you a question. I said, tonight, you said you had to get saved tonight. Why? He said, because I had to. I said, that don't make sense. You had to. What do you mean? He said, my life has been a living Hades for the last two weeks. I said, what do you mean? He said, every night for the last two weeks, I've come home, and my wife will have a nice meal at the table. I'll sit down. She'll sit down. I'll start eating. She's over there praying and crying, and I'll say, what's wrong with you? And she'd say, you need to be saved. And my heart's broken for you. He'd say, I'd be so mad. I'd get up and slam my chair on the table. I'd go upstairs, slam the door. I'd go to bed. He said, but last night I had all I could take. I said, what's going on? He said, last night I got in the bed and he said, I woke up about 2.15 and he said, the bed was shaking like this. He said, I woke up and he looked over and he said, my wife wasn't there. And he said, oh man, what's going on? I think it might be that thing she's been talking about, the rapture. <laughs> yeah, really? He said, where's she at? And he looked. There was a street light pastor shining in the, in, in the window. He looked at the foot of the bed and his wife had a hold of the covers and the mattress. And she was shaking the whole bed and saying, God, please save my husband. Please save my husband. And you know what he said, Jay? He said, I had to get saved tonight. I couldn't take it no more. <laughs> now, we've got to pray because you've got some things to talk about and we've got a meal. But I want you to ask yourself this question. When is the last time? Listen to me now. When's the last time that the love of God so moved you that you wept over somebody you love like that lady wept over her husband? When's the last time that the love of God has promoted compassion in your life to the point that where you know you had such an inward hurt that you had to go to them and say, I can't stand it no more. You need to come to Christ. Some of you in this room has got brothers and sisters and moms and dads, I'm sure that if they died tonight, you'd be separated forever. And you know what Jesus says? Why don't you go and talk to them? Tell them about me. I loved them enough to die for them. What about you tonight?
I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus. Since I found in Him a friend so strong and true, I'd tell you how He changed my life completely. He did something that no other friend could do. Every day He comes to me with new assurance. More and more I understand His words of love. But I'll never know just why He came to save me. Till someday I see His blessed face above. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as He. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much He cares for me. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Young people, let me ask you something. As Miss Shelley moves to the piano, she's going to begin to play softly, and I want to ask you a question while you're sitting down. I wonder if you'd say, Preacher, you know what? I, I've experienced that love. There's not a shadow of it out in my mind that if something happened to me tonight, God forbid, unbeknownst to me that something happened to me, I'd spend eternity in heaven, and I could raise my hand right now that I've put my faith in the love that was shed abroad on Calvary for me, and I could raise my hand right now. Right now, I know I'm born again on my way to heaven. Once you put it up... You can put it down. God bless you. Thank you. If you're in this room, you'd say, Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure if something happened to me tonight. I'd go to heaven, but I want to go. I'm just not sure I would. And I want you to pray for me. Is there anybody that with nobody looking around, heads are still bowed, eyes are still closed. But you'd say, Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure I'd go to heaven, but I want to. And I want you to pray for me. Anybody like that? Just raise it up and then put it back down. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, friend. God bless you too. Thank you. Anybody else? God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. Once you put it up, you can put it down. Thank you. Anybody else? Hey, listen. With nobody looking around, I want to ask this question. If you raised your hand, you're not sure, but you'd like to go to heaven. You want to go. You're just not sure you would. Would you just look up at me right now? Did you mean that? Did you mean that? Did you mean it? I promise you, based upon what God has said tonight, that Jesus Christ died for you, and if you'll put your faith in Him, you can go to heaven. You just put your faith in Jesus Christ. He'll save you right where you're sitting tonight. All you've got to do is accept Him, and His finished work on Calvary, not religion, not baptism, not the Lord's Supper, not church membership, but Jesus Christ, He can save you right where you're sitting. If you need to make that your prayer tonight and you need to be saved, I would beg you to go talk to one of your counselors, talk to me after the service, or even come forward in the invitation time. But let me ask another question. You that have experienced the love of God, you are saved by the grace of God. You know what? My question tonight is, is that ministry of love in your life promoted and produced a compassion in your life to go talk to somebody you love very dearly? You say, Preacher, I'm concerned about people in my life that don't know Christ. I, wanna, I want that ministry of love to be shed abroad in my heart so I can be a minister. I can be a, a witness for the grace of God. And you just say, pray for me. Anybody like that? Hands all over. God bless you. Once you put them down, once you put them up, you can put them down. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness tonight. I pray in this invitation time, you'll have your will in your way. Speak to hearts and do that which is only you can do, and that's heart work. And I'm going to love you and thank you for what you do in Christ's name. Amen.